IDEA requires each state to have an advisory council or panel. In Pennsylvania, we have a special education advisory panel, otherwise known as SEEP. Joining us today on Patent Pod are three members of the SEEP panel, Kathy Rochia-Meyer, Diane Perry, and Cecilia Thompson. We're also joined by Carol Clancy, the director of the Bureau of Special Education. Welcome all to Patent Pod. We're excited to have you here. Kathy, I want to start with you, if I may. Help us understand the purpose of the Special Education Advisory Panel, again, SEEP. So SEEP, the Special Education Advisory Panel for Pennsylvania, fulfills the federal mandate from IDEA. It's the federal mandates, the federal regulations that define the work we actually do. And that includes commenting on rules and regulations, on federal corrective action plans, advising the bureaus in developing reports to the Secretary of Education and the governor, uh, the implementation of policies relating to the coordination of services for children when youth with disabilities, and of course, meeting the unmet needs of children and youth with disabilities in Pennsylvania. You know, while that's the official language, it basically means that our panel really gets to dig into all the special education um, issues in Pennsylvania that affect our children and young adults um, and the staff that's inclusive of this area and get to make some recommendations based on our combined knowledge and the data and information that is shared with us. I think it's important for people to know, and thank you for Kathy for kind of bringing that to the forefront here, that this is really a group of individuals who are dedicated to ensuring services for those um, with special education needs. And you talked about providing feedback, advising, talking about policies, recommendations, really kind of digging into that work. And I think it's important for all of us to know that there is a group kind of watching over all of us and all of our students. So thank you for that. You know, we think about who serves on this panel and the unique role each of them serve. Diane, I'm gonna to jump to you if I may. Can you help us in understanding the roles individuals play and, and how that all helps the advisory panel out? Absolutely. Um, so a major we have several members, um, so I won't go through all of them, but I, I will give you a snippet of the majority of the members. Um, so a majority of the members of the panel must be individuals or, uh, with disabilities or parents of children with disabilities ages birth through 26. So that is a big chunk of the panel membership. Um, and then just to name a few of the other uh, memberships, we have representatives from institutions of higher education um, that are that their job is you know preparing special education and related service personnel. Um, we have state and local education officials. Um, we have administrators of programs with, with children for children with disabilities, representatives of other state agencies um, that are involved um, with children with disabilities, such as the Office of Developmental Programs, the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, um, private school representation, and we even have um, representation from um, the uh, foster care and juvenile, juvenile um, justice system as well, the corrections office. So um, that's, and, and, and it's interesting because when you think about, you know, all of those members, how do we all kind of have a unique role, but each of us do play a specific role 
to a, a person, a young person with a disability. So we bring that perspective and that uniqueness to the whole panel, which allows us, like I, I'm also a parent, and so it allows me to hear from a different agency how they view a certain child and their role when they have a disability, when they're serving them. So that's kind of where that unique uniqueness comes in from each panel member. I think that's so interesting that you talk about that perspective, that each of us have a different perspective, whether we're an individual with disabilities ourselves or a parent, um, or you had talked about higher education, officials, administrators, um, different agencies from around the state. Everyone has a different lens in which they look through and bring all those perspectives to the table, really allow, as Kathy had said, really allow us to dig into this work and have a good sense of moving um, our system forward for our students. So I appreciate having all of you at the table. I think that's key. Now, Cecilia, I'm going to bring you in here if I can have you in part of this conversation here. I think it's vital we talk about one specific role of SEEP, and that's really serving students with disabilities. When we talk, that's kind of a broad statement, right? Serving students with disabilities. What does that look like? How are we doing that here in Pennsylvania through this advisory panel? Absolutely. So first, um, we set goals based on issues we have identified as a panel. Um, these goals, um, which are established within our, our work plan that we work on, um, that's adjusted throughout the um, year, and we work on it um, basically in the summer, um, may come from previous goals, presentations, and from panel members and bureau identified priorities. Um, then after reviewing the data, we provide yearly recommendations to the bureaus for consideration through um, each of our various committees. Um, Kathy, if you don't mind, can you just talk a little bit about our committees? Yes, definitely. So the bulk of our work is actually completed through these committees. Um, we currently have the following committees. Their least restrictive environment, mental health, crisis intervention and restraint prevention, family engagement, transition, bylaws, public relations, and executive board. Uh, but all of our committees, they change depending on the areas the panel feels we need to pay attention to and discuss and um, analyze. But what does it really like mean? What does that look like? Uh, for an example, I um, have the opportunity to co-chair our transition committee, and it looks at what is needed for children who are transitioning from the preschool early intervention system into the school age system, from middle school to high school, and high school into the adult world. Um, some of the things that we focus on is meaningful, you know, really good, robust family engagement and transitions, um, working with children with more complex support needs, and collaboration across agencies. Um, some recent examples of our work is our adopted recommendations to the bureaus to enhance the collaboration through memorandums of understanding and other activities um, where the development of joint agency materials were created um, for families and children and youth with disabilities. Um, so we also um, developed secondary transition one pagers with through Patan after our adopted recommendations. And I really hope you get a chance to check out more information um, about those secondary transition one pages because they're really great tools for families and professionals. 
Diane, could you share some other examples? Absolutely, Kathy. So um, I have the honor to serve on, the, and I've served on the various committees, but currently um, uh, serving on the Crisis Intervention and Restraint Prevention um, Committee. And I, I, I sat on this committee oh, probably a decade or so ago when I was on the panel, I left and now I'm back again. But what we tip it and what we do, and the reason I say that is because we monitor and advise on restraint information system of collection, data collection, mechanism and data. So that's a big mouthful. So what does that really mean? Basically, it means that every, the school, every school district must report every restraint that is that is done on a child and as they are as they report them you know there's this big data collection system and the reason i pointed out that i was on the panel you know over a decade or so ago because the state did not have this reporting system back then and it was the panel that brought it to to the state's the bureau's attention at that point and we worked very tirelessly tirelessly with them to get this data system collection up and running. So I take a lot of proud, I feel very proud that I was on that when they started it. And now we continue to see how that information, um, what, what kind of um, information comes out of that, the state reviews it, then they actually review that report to see where, what's happening in the districts. Are there any trends that need to be addressed? Um, and you know, some of some of you, um, if you're a family member, might have you might struggle with having your child um, restrained in school. So we're currently working on reviewing what school districts are required to do and report after that restraint is done on a student, because we want to ensure that families know and understand the process and their role in the process, which is very important. Now, there is a lot of data and information collected, and we do um, give a lot more of this in detail um, in our annual report. And Cecilia, um, can you tell us a little bit more about that actual annual report that we all put together? Absolutely, Diane. Um, we provide annual, annual reports to the governor, um, secretary of education, and to the public. The report um, just uh, lists all our committees, their recommendation, and the response uh, um, from the Bureau. It also includes a list of our work plan, plan topics that were presented, and a list of our um, members. So in short, it's just a synopsis of what we've done um, throughout a particular year. Thank you. You know, as you three were talking, I was jotting down all these notes, and, and here's a couple of things that really stuck out to me. We're talking about data collection and we're using that data to guide our goals and what we're noticing is a concern or an issue, as you had said, in the field. And I think that's a key piece for everyone to understand. And then that data collection, the, that goal setting and recognizing the needs of the field in Pennsylvania, you're now forming small groups, so committees to really dig in and focus on targeted information. And I so appreciate knowing these are not stagnant committees these change, they flex based on what is needed. And as you had all shared, you know, this really comes down to um, being mindful of what's happening in Pennsylvania, what we need to do to move our system forward. And it's all shared out publicly in an annual report where everyone can view what the focus has been and where we may need to go in the future. I think that's a real vital piece that maybe some who are listening today may not have been aware that those things occur. So thank you all for making sure that we talked about that. 
Carol, I want to bring you in on this. You know, as the director of the Bureau of Special Education, you know that this work involves um, the panel, the SEEP uh, Special Education Advisory Panel, your work at the Bureau and your team's work, as well as the Department of Education. Talk to us a little bit about that collaboration, about the communication that goes back and forth to make our system better. Absolutely. The relationship between the Department of Education, the Bureau of Special Education, the SEEP, is extremely strong and invaluable. We work collaboratively to discuss the most timely issues and concerns in an effort to proactively enhance the services for students with disabilities across the Commonwealth. The members of this panel represent the entire field in a variety of capacities, as was already described. So the perspectives to the dialogue and the perspectives to the advisement is a true representation of our eclectic field and provides a comprehensive view. PDE and the Bureau highly values this advisement um, and really are proud of it, are proud of the work that comes out of it. And the one example that Diane described of the uh, restraint management system is the forerunner nationally. We are one of very few states that have a tracking mechanism, and this is a direct result of the advisement of SEEP. So um, it's a very influential group um, for the Bureau, and we depend on what they bring to us to consider to improve the services for students with disabilities. Wow, so you know, Pennsylvania is really looked at, looked at nationally for where it is we're going and what we've been able to do. And, and I commend all of you and, and all your partners and colleagues who are a part of this work. I think that is crucial. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you know, that we're talking about timely issues, that we're talking about different perspectives and the open dialogue between SEEP, the Bureau of Special Education and the Department of Education, because I think that's important for people to know there is that open dialogue and conversations continue to happen. Now, Kathy, I'm going to jump back to you, if I may. Um, seat meetings are open to the public, if I'm not mistaken. So if I have, I'm listening to this episode and I'm curious how I can be a part or attend one of these meetings, how do I find out information on that? Thank you. Absolutely. We love having the public join us. All of our meetings are open to the public. When we are able to, we meet in person at Patan at the Harrisburg site. Um, in some situations, such as with the pandemic and inclement weather, we may need to meet virtually and there's um, ways that the public can still attend and participate even when we're meeting virtually. And all anyone needs to do is go to the Patan website at Patan, P-A-T-T-A-N.net, and you could get our meeting dates, our agendas, further instruction. And of course, we always take public comment either during the meeting or we can take it via email. We can also accommodate requests for accommodations, um, which are available as well. So we really look forward to hearing from the public, hearing the issues that they're finding and getting them the opportunity to see what we're doing and how we're working. I love it. So open to the public as well as you take public comments. Uh, I think that's vital. And the work is still continuing, even in this virtual world, that we were all still meeting and the public can still be a part of that. So as you had said, visit the patent website, www.patent.net, to take a look at how we get in touch with you. So thank you. Thank you all for being here on Patent Pod today. It's always great to hear from you and for our listeners to really get a sense of what's happening to move instruction forward for all of our students. So thanks so much for being on Patent Pod. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you to all of you in the field. You are truly an inspiration to all of us. A special thank you to John Radsdale for producing this podcast. 
We'll see you next time on Patent Pod. Thank <laughs> you.